Hello, and welcome to Stride and Saunter, episode 193. I'm Kip Clark. And I'm Morgan Jaffe. And today, Morgan, I want to talk to you about a dichotomy I find especially interesting and nuanced, the difference between creepy and romantic. And this topic echoes a previous topic on this podcast, Nice versus Kind, because, at least as I see the world, there are a lot of dichotomies of interpretation that are worth exploring, regardless of where you fall or what your opinions are. I think it's interesting to see what that dividing line is, and also how many different people can view the same circumstance or individual. So it's worth opening by saying that when I think about creepy versus romantic, my definition of creepy involves miscommunication, not someone with hostile or malicious intent, because to me, that's a different adjective. But I think there are many people who are trying to be romantic or to be seen as romantic, but are instead viewed as creepy. And that's a distinction I want to make at the outset, Because, of course, with other interpretations of the word creepy, these two terms are nothing alike and describe very different individuals and behaviors. As I was reflecting on the topic, I realized that for me, both creepy and romantic in this context connote strong, if not fervent, intention from the individual towards someone or something else. I feel like there's a very fine line between what is creepy and what is romantic. But the biggest indicator is probably if you return those advances, those feelings. If a stranger goes up to someone and says something that they see as romantic, that you look pretty today, or you have a nice smile, or tries to make some sort of connection, depending on how you feel about that person, you're either going to see it as creepy or you're going to see it as romantic. Is that person around the same age as you? Is it someone you could, in fact, see yourself dating? If the answer is no, it might be seen as creepy. There's also a fine line between creepy, romantic, and catcalling, so it also depends on how you're approached. I agree that approach is really important. I find it really striking in this topic, as with others, that intention doesn't always seem to matter and may never matter as much as perception of intention. Because of course, you don't exist in someone else's head, you will never truly know the full extent of their intentions or what they truly want from or with you. And so I think creepy versus romantic as a dichotomy says a great deal about our societal or cultural expectations of other people whose intentions, whose hearts, we do not truly know. And that's true across our society, because many of us, if not all of us, have opinions of people who are not ourselves. Now, you also used the word connection, which I find invaluable in this conversation, because in trying to sort that idea into one of these two boxes, I would have to put it under romantic, because in my interpretation, someone who is being creepy in this setting of approaching or interacting with someone obsessively almost, I don't see an interest in connection so much as exploitation or use of an interest in something more superficial than meaningful or equal or affectionate. You had mentioned catcalling, And I can think of fewer things less genuine than that, which, though some might argue otherwise, to me, reflects no interest in connection with someone else 
even physically, it's more about an observation that you're sharing and something that is neither respectful nor inquisitive. You're not asking how they feel, you're declaring how you view them. And to me, any behavior related to or surrounding catcalling definitely falls under the definition of creepy. Something that I think about all the time is that it's not necessarily about being creepy versus romantic. Sometimes it's a divide between being creepy versus being complimentary. If I'm going to go up to someone because I really like their jacket, or I notice they're reading a book that I have also recently read, I worry that they might see it as a romantic advance, even if I'm just trying to make, as I said earlier, that connection. And I feel like this will also change depending on the person's gender. If we're going to quote unquote societal norms, if I go up to someone who I perceive as or who may identify as a man, I worry that they will see it as a romantic exchange. But then also if I go up to someone who identifies as or can be perceived as a woman, in my head, I completely worry that they might see it as a romantic exchange, even if they do not read me as queer. So it's this weird situation where it's like no matter who I go up to, I worry that they will see it as a romantic intent, even if I'm just trying to make casual conversation. And that might be a separate topic, that I worry that we can't just go up to people and make casual conversation. Because it doesn't matter if you're in a coffee shop or on public transportation, I feel like you're taught to avoid eye contact and to definitely avoid talking to a quote-unquote stranger or someone you don't know. And I am the type of person who likes to make conversation with others that I see. I like finding a connection. I like talking. I like finding my community. But it turns into this whole situation of, could this be seen as creepy or weird or not wanted? And the last thing I want to do is go up and talk to someone and make them feel uncomfortable. It's in fact the exact opposite of what I'm trying to do because I'm looking for that community connection. I'm so happy you bring physical space into this discussion because I hadn't been thinking about it in preparation, but upon further reflection, setting is crucial. If you say the same thing to the same person on a beach with a sunset as opposed to a city street where it's raining, cold outside, potentially loud, and the air doesn't smell as fresh or as clean, I imagine that a lot of people would feel very differently in the latter circumstance, even if the words and tone were identical between those two situations. And I can't even begin to imagine the historical ramifications of this. Someone who may have been a perfect romantic partner for someone might have lost that opportunity because the setting wasn't quite right. And though we as people have the ability to shift our setting somewhat, there are some people, perhaps those in poverty or without the means, who can't always travel far from where they live or, unfortunately, may not have a home to go to. And it's possible that all of their conversations, specifically for this episode, conversations showing intent or emotion, might be forever restricted to certain dull, hostile, or foreboding backdrops that they can't change because of the hand they've been dealt in life. In my preparation for this episode, speaking with other people, doing some research of my own, and of course reflecting on what the topic means to me, I came to the sad conclusion that attractiveness seems to play a role. We perceive people differently because of their looks, even if they adopt identical behaviors. And some of that is nature as opposed to nurture. But as a society and larger collection of thinking, feeling people, 
I would hope we all press ourselves to consider the intent behind a message and not fixate or only consider who the messenger is, especially as it relates to their appearance, things they cannot always change. Unfortunately, I agree with you. If you were to make a graph, if something is creepy versus romantic, the more attractive someone is perceived, then the less creepy their compliment or advance may seem. That's also when we go into this creepy versus romantic part again. Because say the person who's doing the approaching, say they perceive themselves to be more attractive than the recipient does. That's when they start to be seen as creepy. So in some ways, while confidence can be very important, it can also set up this person for, I don't want to say failure, but an awkward interaction or an unwanted interaction. But also if you have confidence playing into this, There could be a situation where someone does not compliment or talk to or approach an individual because they don't want to be seen as creepy, whether or not they were also trying to be romantic. Again, maybe they were just looking for that human connection. But for all that person knows, the individual they were going to approach would have been more than happy to have that compliment or have that conversation. And I think that's also how we end up with the missed connection on sites like Craigslist. You wanted to approach someone, but just as you were saying earlier, the setting might not have been ideal. You didn't know if that would have made it a creepy situation or a romantic situation. And as an individual thinks about this more and more, they may think to themselves, this was a missed opportunity. This was an opportunity for, again, another connection, romantic or otherwise. I don't know how many missed connections actually turn into a full-on connection, but it's an interesting thing to think about especially when it comes to our conversation of creepy versus romantic. But there are so many different factors that again go into that because say you wanted to go up to someone who was at a coffee shop and reading a book. They might not have even noticed you. I understand that there's a fine line between creepy and complimentary, but I feel like if you're going to try to make that connection, it has to be in the moment and not later. To your point about the myriad of factors in this conversation, This distinction is often a question of social awareness, which is really intriguing because in the example of love, it's a chemical tidal wave that tends to blur people's emotions, perceptions, and awareness of reality. So in this, the line between creepy and romantic could at times be someone's ability to resist internal chemicals, chemicals which, on an evolutionary scale, are compelling you often to find a mate And that's one of the reasons people theorize love and partnership exist in our society and our world. And I mention this tidal wave of emotions and chemicals because the topic of how we show passionate feelings for other people is as old as time itself and has been told in various stories, especially in the movies over the past century, in ways that demonstrate how difficult it can be to read someone else even if you think you thoroughly understand them. And for people who do want to make romantic gestures, the ability to understand the chemical impulses and how much to listen to them can dictate if you send someone a rose, for example, or plant a rose garden in their yard without their permission or knowledge, the latter being a very obsessive, though similarly perhaps well-intentioned, act of showing romantic feelings. And if you're able to clear your head in that moment and think, what would the other person want? And am I going overboard? You might be able to distinguish yourself as a romantic individual rather than a creepy one. I've been putting all this in the context of a first approach. 
But what you're talking about is a grand gesture. And I think that can get creepy very quickly. It's one thing if you're in a relationship already with another person. Bringing someone flowers or a small gift or writing a poem, that can all be seen, in my opinion, as very romantic. But if you're not in a relationship with that person and maybe you're trying to woo them, you might see that as romantic. But if that's all unwanted attention, then it just gets creepy. Then it becomes, you keep thinking about me, and I don't necessarily even want you to be thinking about me, let alone making all these advances. Grand gestures should really be reserved for someone that you already know returns those feelings, without a doubt in your mind. You're wise to point out grand gestures, first interactions, and also the distinction between knowing someone already, having a relationship with them, or these prior to means of interacting with someone because knowledge is absolutely crucial. I've also been reflecting a lot on the route of information gathering, whether you know someone already or know a little bit about them, because to me, it seems more creepy if you're accumulating knowledge about the other person when they aren't present or don't know that you're gathering that information. Studying or researching someone instead of politely asking them questions for which you'd like answers. I think romance in this case involves multiple people speaking to one another, where creepiness, again in this example, seems to be more solitary. The difference between finding someone's profile on Facebook and messaging that person trying to have a conversation with them illustrates the idea that comes to mind for me. And Morgan, before we close this episode, what would you like the audience to consider after listening to this discussion? I'm curious what our listeners feel is the best way to approach someone who you feel a connection with, whether it's romantic or otherwise. And though we didn't get to it in this conversation, I think there's an interesting gender component here, and I'd be curious to know if listeners perceive certain behaviors more in line with creepy or romantic based upon gender. And if you were to preserve the same behavior but switch someone's gender, would you react differently or designate creepy versus romantic differently? And my final two points, I'd love to know if you believe a cultural or generational attitude affects the topics, behaviors, etc. we perceive as creepy or romantic. And lastly, how do you feel media like television shows or movies indicate appropriate behavior when it comes to approaching someone or expressing emotion towards them. But of course, as always, we want this to be a conversation among, not simply a conversation between. Morgan and I aren't the only two people in the world with feelings towards other people, and we genuinely love to hear from you. You can find us on Twitter or on Facebook. You can also email us via strideandsaunter at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing to as well as supporting the show on Patreon, where in exchange for your support, you'll receive perks like exclusive bonus episodes. And as always, we thank you very much for listening. And from thought to word and voice to ear, this is Kip Clark signing off. And I'm Morgan Jaffe. See you next time.